welcome to Homegrown History with Limestone County archivist Rebecca Davis and longtime Athens, Alabama native Richard Martin. Each episode, Richard and Rebecca bring to life some of the famous and infamous stories etched in Limestone County's rich history. Hello and welcome to Homegrown History, the Limestone County, Alabama history podcast. I'm Rebecca Davis, the Limestone County archivist. I'm here with my co-host. I'm Richard Martin, the oldest one here. That's right. And once again today, we have a very exciting topic. Actually, this is a topic that was more interesting than I thought it would be, Richard. Of course, Richard, as is per usual, knows a lot about this stuff just because you lived it. Well, I'm old. That's right. Yeah, exactly, because he's the oldest one here. So, to you know, not to build up the suspense any further, we are going to talk about the history of aviation in Limestone County. And if you don't own your own plane, you may not be aware just how significant of a history of aviation, and not just a history, but current and future things that we have going on here in Limestone County for those of us who like to take to the skies. And so, because of that, our guest today to talk a little bit about it is, is the man down at Prior... That's your official title, right, Adam? Yeah, down at Prior the, Field? The man. The, the man. man. Yeah, so, we'll go with that today. <laughs> Adam Fox is the airport director at Prior Field Regional Airport, right there but down by the river, Indicator City Limits in Limestone County, in that weird little crazy juxtaposition, right? Absolutely. Kind of right there in the in the middle of the, all the hustle and bustle of the development of Southeast Limestone County, uh, hot topic, hot area, and uh, we're we're right in the middle of it, which is great for for all of our stakeholders. And uh, you know, I'm sure we'll dive into it, but we got a lot going on. Yeah, for sure. Well, and before we get to go too far back into the past, Adam, tell us a little bit about you. Um, how long have you been there at Prior Field? Where you come from? What's your background and all that stuff? So I was recruited to come uh, be the, the airport director at Prior Field. Uh, uh, Valentine's Day, actually, of last year was my, I uh, found my, my new love at Prior Field <laughs> um, and uh, started. So just over a little, uh, a year and a month or so uh, at Prior Field, but I've come from kind of a laundry list of aviation experience that started at the age of uh, 17 when I enlisted into the Alabama Army National Guard as a CH-47 helicopter crew chief and repairer. And uh, that kind of sprung into a robust career that uh, led me to graduate from Auburn University's College of Business and Aviation Management. Uh, so got my uh, my business degree there with a focus in aviation War management. War Eagle, absolutely. <laughs> and then uh, from there, I've got uh, extensive experience working with the government side of airports uh, um, from a state system standpoint. So not just necessarily one airport, but a state system full of airports. I uh, had a um, extensive career out in Oklahoma, you know, the, the flat prairie land mm-hmm. where there's plenty of wind and plenty of opportunity to take to the skies. And now, uh, as of last year, I have come back to the great state of Alabama as the airport director at Prior Field. So I've kind of got a a little bit of of knowledge uh, just to make me dangerous on all different kind of fronts (laughs) of aviation. Uh, I am a mechanic through the military. I am a pilot. Um, recreational. I do not fly for a living, but I work with those that do on a daily basis. Uh, Prior Field currently is um, 
Depending on what numbers we look at, and I'm sure we'll dive into this, but um, it is the the number one general aviation airport as far as our based aircraft and some of our operations. Uh, and and we're very proud to partner with folks in Limestone County uh, and south of the the airport and and across North Alabama as a whole. So thank you for having cool. us here. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I appreciate you joining us to talk a little bit about the history of aviation here in the county. So I kind of want to get started, Richard and Adam, back at the beginning, and the beginning would be the Wright brothers, right? All right. Correct. Aviation trivia, Adam, since you're the man, um, when was the first flight? Uh, that'd be in 1903. Um, you know, obviously our, our brothers and the Carolinas uh, mm-hmm. kind of got to take on that trademark of being the first to fly with the Wright Flyer, um, and that was in 1903. Um Trivia for you. Do you know when the first flight in the state of Alabama was and who actually did it? So I'm guessing around 1917 because that's when one flew over Limestone County, but I don't know. You tell me. So the first flight was actually, again, the Wright brothers, and it was in 1910 in a cotton field in Montgomery, Alabama, which is now Maxwell Air Force Base. Oh, that's very cool. So that history that started with our folks up north uh, in the Carolinas are actually brought down to Alabama to be the first to have that earmark here in the state of Alabama. And so uh, that history has carried through to Alabama. So mm-hmm. I wanted to spring that on you early on to let you know right, that, hey, okay. you guys are the historians, but I might know a little bit too. So. Well, that's why we I have you here. So. <laughs> well, and, you know, Maxwell has had a long story tradition. I know we're di- venturing outside of Limestone County a little bit, but I'm sure there's a lot of folks in Limestone County who have served and trained at Maxwell. In fact, my cousin is in the air force and he's from montana but he came to montgomery for officers training you know air force officers training there at maxwell and got his wings and all this stuff and so he's an air force pilot so yeah maxwell reaches out throughout throughout the whole country from right here in alabama well i say that to say this you know in alabama aviation in alabama both start with the letter a right aviation is embedded in the state of alabama not just uh, you know obviously uh, robust history uh, for limestone county as it pertains to aviation but the state as a whole has a deep history in in aviation mm-hmm. and i'm just I'm, I'm hoping that you all can educate me so that i can go out and educate the people uh, after this about the aviation history in Limestone County at Priorfield. Okay, well, let's get to it. So, like I said, 1917 was the first time that people actually saw a plane fly over Limestone County. It was October, and the Limestone Democrat said that they were so excited that this plane had passed over Athens a week before going north, and then back again a week later going south, and it was two pilots from Montgomery Training Camp which was later to become Maxwell Air Force Base, where the Wright brothers uh, had been. They had flown to Dayton, Ohio, and returned, flying at the incredible speed of one mile a minute. Can you believe airplanes flew that fast back then? <laughs> I mean, you know, but when you think about a vehicle, like 1917, I mean, a lot of folks around here were still, you know, in, they were riding behind their mule, drawing in wagons behind a mule when they looked up and saw a plane fly overhead. You know, I mean, a lot of people didn't have cars here until 1930. I mean, Richard, you remember people in the 30s and 40s still bringing wagons to yeah, town for trade yeah. day and stuff, don't really? you? Yeah. You yeah. know, it's a real juxtaposition when you think about these planes flying overhead. And um, 
In July 1919, three planes from the Army Air Service landed here in North Athens, and a lot of it was just to recruit men to come fly, to um, to serve in the Army Air Of course, it was Army Air Service at the time instead of what later became the Air Force. So one of the officers there carried W.T. Sanders, Robert Henry Walker, who was the editor of the paper at the time, and Rebecca Malone, up right. in his airplane, and she was the daughter of an attorney. And Richard, do you know about Rebecca? Tell Rebecca me about is my ex-wife's aunt. Right. Okay. And, okay. And that's how I knew that, and they talked about her, and she was very, you know, very outgoing. So she wanted to learn how to do all that. Well, she was the very first woman in the county to right. fly. fly, and um, the paper said that um, she enjoyed the loop, the loop, and other antics while her little sister Nancy right. worried and fretted on the ground, afraid she would see Rebecca no more. So Nancy was your ex mother in law. Your ex mother in law. Okay. Right. So we us- all got along. <laughs> tell us about Rebecca. First of all, it was a name like Rebecca. She had to be a wonderful person, I'm sure. But what kind of person was she? Do you ever remember her flying, or did she ever? Talk I, about no, her? I don't remember her flying. When I came in the family, she lived in Memphis, so you know she was gone. Yeah. Okay. But I knew her in the family. She'd come visit us, and she was an outstanding middle-aged woman mm-hmm. at that time. Mm-hmm. But she was a lot of fun, and, and her and her husband were outgoing. Yeah, well, she was a she was a pioneer in her own right here in Lipscomb. I mean, she was up there flying before a lot of men were yeah. were learning how to do that. And so, and of course, you have to realize at, at the time, and you may be able to speak more to this as far as just aviation history that you know there were no radio communications at the airstrips. They would put big signs on the airstrip, big O if it was open, a big X if you couldn't land there. And that was your signal if you could go or not. And they would have a mock airplane out on the field, and they would turn it in different directions to show which direction you were supposed to land. And so, um, you know, a lot of this was just compasses and maps and visuals on the ground and no no instrumentation like what we think of now. And that's what it was like whenever um, Lewis Speaks bought the first airplane in uh, Limestone County. We'll see, it was a, a 1937 Piper Cub that he bought. It was the very first airplane. And we're going to be talking a lot about Lewis Speaks and Jack Park. Have you heard those names in relation to the history of Priorfield? I have heard of uh, of Lewis uh, Speaks, but I have not heard of the others. But uh, I'm sure you're going to tell me for sure. Why, sure. You I knew them? Oh, yeah. I, I did interview I dated Lewis their daughters. Wait, do what now? Go on, go on. We dated their daughters, <laughs> Speaks girls. Uh, uh-huh. Lewis Speaks had two beautiful daughters, and Mr. Parks had a son. And uh, But they were a lot of fun. Yeah? Yeah. Well, Lewis seemed like he was just always a really entrepreneuring you know, right. kind of guy. He um, he and his wife, Eva, when right. they went on their honeymoon to, to California, was the first time they saw tourist courts, which may not seem like it has anything to do with av- aviation, but it will. And, you know, back then, there weren't any hotels, and people were driving, you know, and so it was a little dining room with cabins all around. And he's like, you know, that would be cool. We should do that in Athens. And so in 1931, he and Eva built one. Um, um, right there, I think it's um, around where 31 and Clinton meet now. Do you remember the triangle? I mean, it's been long gone. Uh, the triangle was where uh, you go under the highway 
on Highway 72 where Walmart is. Okay. That's okay, where yeah. the triangular was. Right, right. Yeah. And Because it, it was a triangular piece right. of land. And it was, I mean, it was hopping. They rented cabins for a dollar a night. Yeah. Or uh, it was a dollar a night if you brought your own bedding. Two dollars yeah. if they provided it. But they, they got in trouble with that because some people brought bed bugs with their bedding. Yeah. <laughs> wow. But, you know, it was, a, it was a place to go. And a lot of people would go and eat there, hang out, whatever. And that's where Jack Park became friends with Lewis Speak. And so they became partners in business together. And um, they bought a, a gas station, which is the one that's now... You, you tell a gas about station. It's called Park and Speaks. Yeah, store. it was called Park and Speak, which yeah. was cute, you know, because uh, people would park and hang out there. Right. So as Park and Speak got to working together, and of course Speaks bought his, his first airplane, and he's flying it around and all this, they were like, you know, we could partner together to actually have a little airstrip, an airfield, for not only us, but all these other folks that are starting to learn how to fly here in Limestone County. And they had gotten to know, and I don't know if you know this name, Frank Hull. It's either Hulse or Halsey. Do you remember this guy? I don't remember. He was the first one that opened up the Southern Airways and, you know, later became Prior Field. And he sold Speaks his first airplane. And um, But Park and Speaks weren't ready to go in the, into business down at South Limestone yet. Right. So, um, you know, where Airport Road is in North Athens, just off of um, Highway 127, That's it's right. north of Athens. You go up Jefferson Street here and go up till you come to the liquor store there and turn right on. <laughs> on that road there and, and out there in the field was the field. That's right. Yeah. But this was the first little airfield and um, Park and Speaks opened it up and they would land, even before that, you know, they just found wherever, whatever open field they could land. Right. One of them was just north of East Pryor Street behind an old home. And um, But when they built this little airplane, they made a hangar out of scrap tin to, to house the airplanes in. They called themselves the Athens Aeronuts. And um, they actually helped the sheriff, Martin Witt, catch some convicts by spotting them from the air. It was like some of the original, you know, uh, crime, whatever, prevention for that. But they had that airport up there for, you know, about two or three years that they were coming and going from there before Prior Field started to be established. And Lewis Speaks, he decided at one point he was going to fly in an air race in Miami. This is in 1940. And his pipe, his Piper Cub only held 11 gallons worth of gas. And so it took him two days to get down to Miami from Athens. And he ran out of gas just in time to like scoot to a halt on the edge of the Florida Everglades and had to flag down passing motorists just to like get some gas and, you know, get back to the air and make it back home. So, I mean, these are guys who are just like, flying really by the seat of their pants, you know. Well, it was very popular because my cousin Dick Martin and Clay Smith loved to fly. And Dick Martin had a brother, Carl Martin Jr., and uh, he went to aviation school up in St. Louis. That's where all of them learned how to fly. And we were little kids, and we'd go up and get in the plane with them. They'd take us for a fly, and we thought this was the greatest thing in the world. <laughs> you mean up there at North Athens? North Athens. Yeah. In yeah. yeah. their little Piper Club. My cousin Dick got his license at age 17, and he had a Taylor Craft Piper Cub single engine is what he had. And he went to a military school in Chattanooga, and he would fly up there his senior year and never drive home. So that was, we all thought that was 
great mm-hmm. and to get to fly around. Mm-hmm. And they yeah. did a lot of other things later. Yeah. Well, so you actually remember coming and going out of oh, that yeah. North Athens yeah. Airport. Do you remember what it looks like back then? Oh, it was just a shed. Was shed. it that same old shed that same was built sh- with the just scrap tin and stuff? Scrap tin and open field where you could land. <laughs> but, but I mean, really, I guess that's all you needed for some of them little old planes back right, then. Right, right. So they were it, through the 40s, and they kind of went back and forth as they got to working more and more with power field. But um, there was a doctor who had a little small landing strip over there, is, is what some folks have said. And so it was, it was, you know, it was going. But then in 1941, right as aviation was taken off, and then, of course, World War II was at the end of the year. But already by then, in um, early in 1941, Frank Halsey, he was only 30 years old. He had, he had had several ventures in Birmingham and other Montgomery, other areas with aviation. And so he's the one who purchased 600 acres from the prior family down at South Limestone to create a training airfield under contract with the U.S. government. And um, so they, I mean, just in the matter of a few months, they built hangars, they built barracks, they built... Now, any of those old, old original hangars and barracks, are they any of those still there at Priorfield? Yeah, so so basically Priorfield right now is made up some of that original um, plots of land that you described. Uh, uh, some of it is actually now Calhoun Community College, which is mm-hmm. Alabama's largest two-year college system. Uh, so some of that is is actually um, their property now. Uh, they have uh, retrofitted and renovated uh, some old hangars. Uh, my understanding is that through time, there were four large hangars between 20 and 21,000 square feet left. Mm-hmm. Calhoun now has two of those hangars. Um, they're kind of hanging on, um, I believe. You know, that they are utilizing those still today. Mm-hmm. But obviously, with old buildings, there's obviously uh, a long CBS receipt list of uh, <laughs> issues, right? Um, what are they using them for? So I'm, I'm not exactly sure, but I believe that they're using them for uh, some of their like HVAC repair and welding okay. services and, and mm-hmm. training young men and women to, to go into the workforce through those uh, facilities. Okay. But on the other side of the fence, uh, which is still remaining prior field regional airport, we have two hangars. And, and we actually have, believe it or not, between 30 and 40 aircraft in each of those hangars. Wow. And they are mm-hmm. just completely full. We still utilize those today. We still invest a lot of um, uh, resources into those to maintain that facility. Sure. Um, you know, last year we replaced the siding on one of them uh, and, and it come to a sum of, uh, of $38,000 to replace wow. the old sheet metal. And, um, you know, we, we want to continue to preserve those assets. And a matter of fact, one of our board members, uh, retired Colonel Larry Hall, he actually worked before getting onto the board to make those historical monuments and uh, historical oh, cool. assets. And so yeah. they will always be there. Um, the other asset that falls under that is our old rotating beacon. Mm-hmm. So years later, obviously, uh, having that rotating beacon at night or, you know, early morning or late evening, mm-hmm. um, that light would indicate there's the airport, correct? Right. And so uh, those three things are now historical markers on the airport and they are still thriving today. Obviously, they're not the original, yeah. <laughs> you know, but they are bare bones the original yeah. uh, for example the rotating beacon the lattice tower is the same but the mechanism up top is sure. now led lights okay. i was gonna say you had to change the light bulb or two yeah and then in, <laughs> exactly exactly and then inside the hangar some of the original 
foundation is still there. Obviously, all the red iron is still the same. Yeah. The sheet metal has now been replaced, and there's been new lighting put in there. But uh, outside of that, uh, it is the same exact stuff. You can see some of the original prior field markings uh, mm-hmm. up underneath the paint that kind of fades through. And so, yeah, oh, we, we cool. still utilize those today, and you can still find them on the south side of prior field. Yeah, that's cool. Well, and it does, I mean, it does give you a sense of your place in history when you're surrounded by these historical artifacts, artifacts every day as you work. I mean, I know where I work is a 1905 train depot, and it costs a lot more to keep the thing standing than it ever did to build it, just like with this hangar. But there are certain things that are worth preserving for, you know, to take a look back at the past and carry into the future. And it does, it gives you a sense of the, the legacy that you're carrying on, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I walk into to some of those hangars sometimes and I look at all the aircraft and I just can't imagine what somebody in 1943 mm-hmm. uh, or right after they were built in 1941 look, looked at these yeah. you know, hangars facilities and I'll tell you they have you know withstood all the the elements of time you mm-hmm. know the tornadoes the high winds <laughs> the rain and they're still there today and so you know that just kind of goes to show that things were built oh yeah quick, quick. but they were built yeah. tough yeah. back in those times to prepare for uh, training of, of World War II pilots and so mm-hmm. you know it, it's it's kind of gives you chills when you walk in there and kind yeah. of see some of the uh, historical things. That's very cool. Well, and like you said, they built it quick. I mean, it was within just a couple of months they had some of these up. And um, in July, July 1st, 1941, and at the archives, we actually still have the original lease that was signed by the county commissioners and the mayors and so on. Um, but Athens, Limestone County, Decatur, and Morgan County, contracted with Southern Aviation Training School, as it was called then, to lease the airport as a municipal airport. And originally it was supposed to be a 15-year lease, and they put $15,000 down, and they were to pay $5,000 a year. And um, the provision was that if they quit operating a training school, then the cities and counties would have the right to take over the airport. And of that original $15,000 uh, down payment. Of course, you got to realize Decatur and Morgan County were much bigger than Athens and Limestone County at the time. So Athens paid a thousand dollars, Limestone County paid two thousand dollars, Decatur was on the hook for eight thousand dollars, and Morgan County four thousand dollars. And an interesting thing about that is I did find a um, CC letter. I mean, I shouldn't throw Decatur under the bus like this, but that's okay. They're real friends. <laughs> we uh, they they beat us in, in football last year. I can tell this. They beat me. <laughs> I know, Richard. We all know y'all were the ones that beat Decatur for the first time in fifty years back in the day. But there's a CC of a letter that the Decatur mayor sent to the Southern Aviation saying, "Look." I'm paraphrasing, but this is pretty much what Ford for what he said. Here's a check for $2,000. I don't have the rest of the money right now. Give me a little bit of time, and I'll come up with the rest of what I owe you. So already in 1941, Decatur was like, here's $2,000. Can you just, like, put it on my tab? But, I mean, obviously, they paid their bills and all this. And so, you know, they, they started this great partnership in July of 1941 and but then I mean just three months later October of 1941 the first 50 cadets arrived from Montgomery and they were getting ready for training and these guys you know they came from Montgomery but they were from all over the country and they were coming in to train and every month after that 50 more would come and 50 more would come and then of course then December 7th happened you know and and uh, Pearl Harbor and all of a sudden 
the U.S. was at war. And so December 31st, 1941, we have a follow-up paperwork there in the file about prior field at the archives of the termination of the lease. And it said that due to the state of war, it has been necessary that the number of United States Army aviation cadets being trained at said field be greatly increased. And the lease is taken over by the Defense Plant Corporation of the U.S. government and the field restricted solely to training of U.S. aviation cadets. So all private, commercial, and municipal use of the field was prohibited. It was completely turned over to military training at that time. This is so fascinating because I I would say that if I were to go and pull the historians at the airport currently flying, most of them believe that the airport was established by the U.S. defense folks. So they, you know, the common pilot or the folks that have been around a lot longer than me, they believe that that's how prior field was actually established. But what you're sharing today is actually that it was established as a public use, as in today's terminology, a public use airport that would basically train cadets coming up from Montgomery to provide a service. Yeah. It was a business. I mean, that, well, that's what they established was a right. business. Yeah, you're both right because... I don't know if it's Hulse or Hulsey. It's H-U-L-S-E was the guy's name. He's the one who built it, contracting with the U.S. government to train these cadets. But see, U.S. wasn't at war yet. Exactly. And so it was to train. But, you know, the cities and counties took a look at that and like, hey, we've got this great asset here. We should get in on this. Subsidize it. Yeah. Let's lease this so we can use it, too. I mean, the same reason, and you can speak more to this, but the same reason people, you know, the cities and counties are using prior field now. They were courting industries. They were bringing people in, and so they wanted to have a place for people to land, so they wouldn't have to land in Huntsville or somewhere else, but they could land right here in the backyard and come in and see what um, Livestone County had to offer. So you're both right. But then, of course, that lease, quickly went away, you know, at that time, everything was completely suspended because everything was dedicated to the war effort. And that's how it was with prior field for the duration of the war. It wasn't until after the war, it kind of went back to, okay, let's pick up this lease again. Let's start using it for a municipal airport. And so um, all through 1942, you know, 41, 42, you had all these cadets coming in and they were, you know, going through the training, and I saw that they would have stag parties whenever they, uh, some sort of stag party to celebrate their graduation, and they would have parades through the streets of Decatur. I don't know about Athens, but they did in Decatur, and I often wonder what these um, young ladies in Athens thought about this fresh influx of 50 young men a month <laughs> coming into the area. I'm sure they didn't complain. Do you know, Richard? Do you no, know? I don't know. You were a little kid at that time. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, which we'll get to how it got its name, but with all these young men, and I mean, I'm talking about 21, 22, 23-year-old men flying all over the place, accidents were bound to happen. And the first fatality there was in March 7, 1942, when a 23-year-old instructor from Tuscumbia, who was in a plane with a 22-year-old cadet from New York, Their plane crashed into a plane flown by a 21-year-old cadet from Virginia, and all three of them died out there in the fields near Belmana, you know, cotton field out there by the airfield. And um, they were the first fatalities, but they were not the last. I mean, I think if you look at statistics from the war, so many men died not of fighting, but of training accidents and things that would happen just right here in the U.S. Of course, the best known here was in 1942, 
Park and Speaks were, were back at Pryorfield. They contracted with Halsey to help, you know, train the pilots. And so that's what they were doing on February 4th, 1944. And they watched, they saw it happen as a student crossed the path of an instructor and the instructor's plane crashed, caught on fire, and it was killed. And when Speaks got home, he learned that that was Skylar Pryor. Skylar Pryor. And, Luke uh, Pryor's brother. Yep, Luke Pryor and Skylar mm-hmm. both served as instructors. Of course, it was the Pryor land. You know, the Pryors were very prominent here in, in Limestone County for generations. And so Skylar crashed, and he was only, what, 21, 22 years old Something himself. Like mm-hmm. he was, I've got 21. his 21. So, yeah, here it is. He was born in 23, and he died in 1944. So that's how the field got its name. Now, what, if anything, have y'all done there at Pryorfield to kind of memorialize Skylar and, and the Pryors? You know, I, I personally have uh, worked and, and become very, you know, transparent with the uh, the prior sisters. Yes. Um, and and make sure that I hear them and understand the, the legacy as they remember it. Right. And um, I believe it was 1953, Miss um, Lila Pryor right. and, and her sister Patty, their mother actually uh, went to the mayor of the city of Decatur and they, you know, established the prior field in the remembrance of Skyler, who passed away doing mm-hmm. training right. at what is now prior field. So kind of hearing the story from their mother and what they have done to hold on to that legacy, um, some of our board members, we all came together and we said, you know, what can we actually do to take that a step further. And so we've actually uh, went far and wide looking for uh, photographs and trying to uh, create a history wall within our terminal building. Our terminal building is on the north side of the airport. It was built in 2009. It is a 7,200 square foot facility, a state of the art. But when I come on board, it was kind of a a blank canvas. Mm -hmm. And so what can I do to kind of come up with uh, things that would teach lessons as pilots come in and kind of, you know, learn about the airport? That's one Mm -hmm. thing you see across every airport is is something in there that kind of say, hey, this is how we got started. Okay. So obviously, uh, you know, trying to look, I, I end up meeting you, Rebecca, yes. and, and we got some photos from you. And Lawson County Archives does have a lot of photos. Absolutely. Of, of and, you know, the Aero Nuts, you know, they're mm-hmm. on our wall, believe yep. it or not, with, with one of their cubs. And so we're able to uh, keep that alive. But more specifically, what I was looking for was artifacts to uh, support a project, a very important project. And that was naming our terminal building, that state-of-the-art terminal building, after Skylar's brother. Mm -hmm. So what I've come to realize is that the Pryor sisters' dad, after his brother passed away at Pryorfield doing flight training, he remained there for 50 years, basically. Luke Luke Pryor, Mr. Luke Luke Pryor, exactly. Big Luke, as as I've been told. (laughs) Um, He remained there. He still flew there. He still trained cadets there. We have some of the original aircraft with him in a a steerman training very young cadets that look to me like they're 15, some of them. You know, they look so young, but obviously they're of age. Um, And so we have dedicated our terminal building. It is now the Luke Pryor Terminal. Oh, that's great. And so we, we are hanging on to that legacy we are shouting it from the rooftop that uh, you know we have a deep history from the the folks that live in limestone county and we are preserving that every way possible that's and cool. so that's the step that we've made in the last year under my tenureship that's i'm awesome. coming down there to see it I'm now you see. you knew i knew <laughs> Little- luke. luke pryor was 80 something years old when he died his wife was named betty yeah. miss betty, betty pryor absolutely and she was from Fayetteville, tennessee and he met her somewhere. 
flying or something. I don't know. But Big Luke was a soft, gentle, southern gentleman. You always enjoy being around him. And he loved flying. Did and, you ever fly with him? Uh, no, I never flew with him or anything. I didn't get to really know him until about 10 years before he passed away. Mm-hmm. But I knew the, the children right. is what I knew. Luke and I had, we shared fruitcakes, and he said his kids didn't like him. I said, well, that was good, because that left more for us. <laughs> but anyway, Luke and I were friends. Yeah. They, I know he stayed active, obviously, like you said, for so many years afterwards. And then um, Park and Speaks, they both did, they did some, you know, continuing to, to train pilots there and so on. They bought several planes for themselves for $400 a piece. Can you buy a plane for $400 wow. these days? Well, I'll tell you, I, I'm, I'm closing on an aircraft this morning, and it's uh, it's a lot more than $400. <laughs> it, it makes you sad thinking about the cost of right. aviation today. I'll tell you this. Um, you know, we have some of the original aircraft that you mentioned here this morning, you know, some of the Cubs, and, and we still have them flying today at Priorfield just because they're 1940s aircraft, not to, even some of them 1930s aircraft. They are still flying today, and they're still at Priorfield. Field. So not only do we have the infrastructure that historic, but we have some of those original aircraft from 1941 and, uh, you know, thereafter. And so, you know, even today on the market to get, you know, one of the Cubs that you mentioned, uh, yeah, you're looking at adding another zero to that $400,000 <laughs> yeah. yeah. for those historic airplanes. Yeah. And, and people love them. I mean, oh, yeah. it, it's just, it. you know, some of them on windy days, you know, a Cub... You know, like yesterday, we had high winds and everything. You'd almost be flying backwards. You know, it's just it's just funny to, you know, see these folks that, that hang on to those assets still today, and they love it. I mean, it's still the fundamentals of flying today. Right. Yeah. Well, and they, so they bought these planes and started the first crop dusting, you know, operation in Limestone County, Park and Speaks did. They bought the North Athens Airstrip back, and they were teaching several men, young men to fly there, including Clay Smith who was the manager at Priorfield for years and years and years. And um, uh, at least one woman, Martha Gordon, learned how to fly up there in North Athens. And so they, you know, they continued until uh, eventually they closed it, I think, in the um, 1951. That's when they moved all their planes to Priorfield. So that may be some of the ones that are that you're talking about that are still there today. Um, until eventually they just got out of the airport business and, you know, just ran park and speak. But... Um, Lewis Speaks kept an airplane until at least uh, 1980, and it was the last one around here that still had like radio compasses and auxiliary gas tanks. I mean, that old school airplane that you almost look at those and you think, how is this staying in the sky? But they, I mean, they did. They did what they had to do to keep it going, to keep them going. And I mean, won wars with those planes. I have a story I want to tell. Please do. In the summer of 46, Lewis Speaks, Jack Parr, Clay Smith, Ben F. Smith, and my cousin, Dick Martin, had to fly five planes to Miami Beach from Pryor Field. It was those uh, U.S. Navy Stearman mm-hmm. PT-17 planes. So they all left Pryor Field. It was a two-day flight, and only one plane had instruments and a radio. The other four did not. <laughs> so what they did, they flew direct east. And they said when they hit the ocean, they would turn right and go down to the very end of Florida. And that's where they were going. But they had to refuel in Atlanta. 
and without any radio, only one man had a radio. So they flew around about four or five times, and then somebody waved them in. So they at Hartsfield in Atlanta, <laughs> and anyway, they spent the night there, and then they got up the next morning and went flew to the coast and then turned right and went all the way to Miami and delivered the planes down there. Then they flew back, Southern Airlines, you know, flew from Miami to Atlanta and Atlanta to Decatur. So that was a cute story. It was in a story of Gardens and Guns magazine. Yeah, you said, you mentioned Garden and Gun magazine. I know you brought a copy of it in here in the studio today. So tell us about that. Tell us about this Garden and Guns and what the feature was there in this national magazine. It's the Garden and Guns magazine of July 2013, and it talks about the people in Huntsville. What's that airport over Moon? Uh, Moon Town. Moon uh, Town. It, it's still here today and still thriving. It's got a lot of those um, historic airplanes right. over there. It tells about it, so you need to Google it and see if you can get a copy of it, and then it'll tell you all about that airport over there, too. Mm-hmm. But it, is that where it talks about that flight to yeah, Miami? And, and that it, was your family. That's my family. Plus, it talks about Clay Smith rebuilding one of the old planes that is still down there. It, it is. It's still the, one of the original Stearmans. It's still within the Smith family. Right. Um, uh, his son, Stan Smith, right. and uh, Stan's brother, Tom, right. and his brother, Cass, they all three still have their hands at the airport. Stan owns a, uh, a maintenance facility, North Alabama Aviation, and his two brothers actually fly corporate for a company that we have, uh, which is the AFC, the Alabama Farmers Co-op. He, yeah. They fly oh, yeah. with them. And so they have a hangar um, uh, that we have built. And they store their original Stearman. And, um, uh, you know, it, it is a sight to see. And, and we love to watch them fly. Of course, you know, during the winter, you can kind of go in hibernation, obviously, with an open yeah. cockpit and, and everything. It gets kind of cold. So <laughs> most of the time we see them during the uh, the summer months. But right. it is a beautiful sight and a unique sound. And, and we love having them there. Oh, that's cool. That is cool. It's cool to see some of these uh, really old planes. It's almost like going to a car show and seeing some of these old cars, but you've got some of these airplanes. Actually, still take it to the sky. I think that's really, that would be, I want to come down there and see it whenever they've got, give me a heads up. Absolutely. I mean, I've been in meetings, uh, you know, virtual meetings and, and able to hit the mute button one day and walk outside because they were flying the aircraft. That day, we actually had a Boeing 737 on our ramp bringing cargo uh, to one of our partners in North Alabama. That's kind of a niche that we have at Priorfield today, which is kind of unique. Um, but so we have a, a very new you know, type of airplane that was not even thought of in the 1940s. But then you have overflying it from a certain standpoint, a 19... 30s model aircraft flying over and I was able to take a picture and it is now blown up and on a canvas in our That's terminal cool. building and oh, it is a unique sight to I'm see coming. such a huge <laughs> aircraft with our terminal building and in the background an open cockpit steerman flying overhead it That's is awesome. just uh, it just gives me chills thinking yeah. about yeah. it yeah yeah. Well, um, a few more things before we get into the present and the future of Priorfield. One thing I didn't realize until I got to doing a little research for this episode, that there was an airfield where Athens Middle School is now. Oh, yeah. What do you know about that? Well, Clay Smith and them would fly out of it, and they would hook up a glider mm-hmm. and take the glider up and then cut it loose, and everybody would glide up there. Yeah. And it's like the way the football field is and everything. Yeah, and this was around the, what, 1970s or yeah, so? Uh-huh. 1970s. Yeah. 
Um, well, college, Athens College owned that land at one time. Okay. And they gave permission to build that and do that. And then later on, the city school board bought it. Okay, I got you. Well, and if you look, there's a 1967 USGS map that actually has it labeled right. Magnuson Landing Street. Right. Right there where you can see where right. where the, you know, walking track and where the stadium and all is. And, you know, Magnuson actually ran a Harley-Davidson dealership right across the, the highway from where right. the landing strip was, where right. the football stadium is now. And um, apparently they also would use some of that landing strip to just as like a test run, test track for some of the motorcycles. Let people come out there and test drive motorcycles out there on the strip next to the landing. I don't know if it was on the actual airstrip or... It was right next to it. But yeah, so that was, you know, there's a great, I'll, I'll put a plug in for this. There's a couple of great Facebook groups called You Know You Are From Athens If and You Know You Are From Athens Too. And a lot of times people will chime in saying, does anybody know this about? And then a lot of folks will chime in saying, oh yeah, I remember I took some lessons there. I flew a glider out of there. And somebody said that a guy named Charlie Meager operated this uh, airfield and he was from Prospect, Tennessee and would fly in to work every morning on his Piper Mall. And on school mornings, his daughters would fly in with him. So they would just fly in and out of the airport to come to school, I guess, from Prospect, Tennessee. So like I said, I never even knew until I got to look into all this. And one more little postscript that I thought was neat about just honoring the pilots here in Limestone County, you know, Jack Park and Lewis Peaks, they were the pioneers, you know, in addition to Clay Smith, and then you've got Frank Halsey who started it all. But when Jack Park died in 1992, uh, Athenians were like, what, what's up with that plane flying overhead? Why is it rocking like that? It was Lewis Speaks. And he was flying overhead and dipping his wing and salute to his old partner, old friend, Jack Park. And Clay Smith said, you know, we should do something, too. And so he and his sons, they flew over the square with four different planes and, and tipped in honor of Jack Park, too. So I think I just thought that was a nice little, you know, postscript on their service to Limestone County. You know, they did that same thing earlier. And when World War II ended, mm-hmm. my cousin Dick Martin and Clay Smith and another fellow, I forgot his name, they flew around the square acting like they were fighting dogs. Oh, fight. really? And the mother saw it, and boy, she had a fit. <laughs> and they didn't have radios, and the sheriff was trying to get them to quit because they were scared they are going to crash. But anyway, they finally got landed at Pryor. These Martin you know, boys can't do nothing with them. <laughs> That's right. They got scolded. <laughs> wow. Let their mama take a switch to them, oh, well. make them go out in the yard and pick the switch. <laughs> You're not going to fly no more. <laughs> well, and one thing I didn't really get into much, but what it's worth noting is that um, MedFlight is a big part of Limestone County Aviation, too. And you may know more about this. Is it hasn't been that long ago that MedFlight has established a base here in Athens, and I live not far from the hospital. I see helicopters going over all day, every day. So I don't know. You may know more about that, Adam. But with Athens not having a major hospital hub here, you know, MedFlight has saved many, many lives here in Limestone County as people, you know, are flown quickly to Huntsville and Birmingham and Nashville and other larger areas where they can be taken care of, especially after car wrecks and things. So what's happening now? 
Well, uh, talking about MedFlight, I'll answer that real quick. But, you know, uh, last year, I believe it was around May, June timeframe, uh, I was approached by Air Evac, which is a, a company that provides air ambulance services. And uh, they were talking about coming back into the Huntsville market, uh, more specifically Limestone County. So Huntsville proper, um, they have always had something, uh, you know, in the past, you know, obviously companies come and go. I can't speak to that exactly. Of, of who's who's been here, but as far as my tenureship, Air Evac has come in and they've been wonderful partners. Mm-hmm. And they they are, as you mentioned, servicing Athens Limestone County Hospital here in Athens. And uh, they have probably, if I had to guess, they've had over 500 operations. And uh, I mean, they are going 90 to nothing. You know, we're on call 24 seven for them at the airport. We're on call 24 seven for for all of our partners. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. you would not imagine who we get to see on a Mm -hmm. daily basis. Uh, But as far as the air evac goes, um, they fly a Bell 206 currently, and and they are that beautiful red, white, and blue helicopter that you may see in any given day and time. And, uh, you know, we're proud to have them at our facility. And, you know, they are looking up different options for a permanent residence you know, in Limestone County, they are setting up shop and they're going to be a partner for, for years to come. So That's we're great. pretty proud of that. How many flights come out of there or go out and come in? So based on a 2019 economic impact study conducted by ALDOT, um, the Aeronautics Bureau more specifically, we have over 150,000 operations annually. Wow. And so, you know, those numbers that I mentioned early on today uh, are, are number one in the state of Alabama. And so we're, we're wow. pretty proud of that. You know, like number one among regional airports? Run, among regional airports. What we do, That's we, cool. we, we kind of keep apples to apples and oranges to yeah. oranges. So we take the Huntsvilles and the Birminghams of the world, uh, the commercial service that right. have scheduled service right. for passengers. Right. Uh, we, we take those and, and put them in a different pile. So that's what leaves our general aviation airports like Pryor Field mm-hmm. and, and numerous other ones that we know of. And so we obviously have, uh, you know, like I said, 141 based aircraft, over 150,000 operations annually. Uh, we actually have over 10,000 passengers through charter operations and business executives that fly in that come through our terminal on an annual basis. Now, wow. that's all based on 2019 numbers. And let oh, me tell yeah. <laughs> you, we have grown significantly even since then. And we are on a trajectory to no end right now. You know, we. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Speaking of that, I think it's a great transition. You know, obviously, just like Athens and Limestone County, we're in a unique situation of where we have growing pains. Mm-hmm. We, we are exploding. We are on the map. You know, Limestone County, we are the number one place in the state of Alabama, and we are the most favored living place in the United States right now. You yeah. know, you know, Huntsville obviously received that recognition, and, and we are part of that Huntsville metro. So that lumps us in here in Limestone County in Athens. And, um, you know, obviously Prior Field uh, plays a part in that. You know, in the aviation industry, we like to make the cheesy joke that, you know, we are the industry that connects all others. Yeah. You know, the business executives, the, the developments that are coming into our area that's, that are sparking the growth. Well, we get to see them first at Prior Field right. because executives, they don't drive, they fly. Right. Time exactly. is money, right? Time is money. And so um, we're trying to capitalize on our growth just as, as well as the city leadership um, and, and all the folks in the county that are trying to help grow and provide jobs for our citizens. We're doing the same thing at Prior Field. That's great. Um, you know, aviation, 
we're, we're made up of very high end jobs. You know, yeah. we, we have a, a lot of high paying jobs, very rewarding careers in aviation airspace. We don't have a lot of jobs currently at the airport. That 2019 economic impact study said that we are responsible directly for 134 jobs annually. So that's mm-hmm. through our projects. That's through our right. base companies that we have today. Uh, and that's, that's through, um, specific, I guess, things that are related to the airport operations, right? So that's my staff, that's me, those are all those jobs, right? Um, But as far as some of our flights and what we do, we're responsible for thousands of jobs, not only in Limestone County, but across North Alabama, because the three M's of the world, when they fly in, you know, to go see their folks down in Decatur at their plant, I mean, think about all the thousands of jobs and how prior field is that key cog. So currently today, we have 141 based aircraft. We have a wait list of 107. So that's 107 aircraft that want to come to prior field and live and be Mm -hmm. based there, but we don't have enough hangar spots for those folks. Uh, we have a 6,107-foot asphalt runway, which is 100 foot wide with 25 foot shoulders and LED lights. Can you imagine what someone from 1941 <laughs> looking at that today would think? I mean, right. it just it, it looks crazy compared to what it did. You've come a long way at, from the O and the X, in exa- other words. <laughs> we have come a long way. We X have instrument landing systems, um, you know, ILS. We can land in any sort of weather uh, down to a certain altitude. So basically they can come all the way down less than, you know, 200 feet above the ground before they have to make a decision to go around or to continue to land. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have obviously a lot of GPS approaches and the National Weather Association actually has has a weather station out there uh, that we let them uh, on our property to provide that asset. And so, um, you know, we even have a very detailed weather station to be able to give reports to our pilots that are coming in. Mm-hmm. Outside of that, uh, our infrastructure, we have currently 57 hangars, and we have our terminal building, like I mentioned earlier, that's 7,200 square feet that's made up of office space. We have a large conference room. We have space dedicated for um, after-hour operations for mm-hmm. pilots to come in and relax and take a nap, and uh, we have showers, and we literally have everything a flight operation or a business executive would need in our current facility. Mm-hmm. That's very impressive. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, my unbiased opinion, we we are one of the nicest airports in North Alabama from a... um from all different kind of parameters, right. you know, from a uh, an ease, from a cost standpoint, from a facility standpoint, we really have everything that a, a business executive flight operation would need. From a personal ownership, uh, you know, you fly on your personal cub or anything, your personal jet, all the way up to some of those uh, uh, larger operations like the Boeing 727 and Boeing 737. So that's kind of our, our infrastructure. You know, obviously, um, you know, it started out, as you indicated, 600 acres. We have over 200 acres currently. You know, some of that was gifted over or sold over. I'm not quite sure of the history there to uh, the state two-year college system. Right. And that's how Calhoun, which is a great partner of ours uh, currently today, uh, you know, some of that has been taken over by them. But we still have um, quite a bit of acreage left for development. So that's when great. I come on board, one of the first things I did for about two months is I just did a self-audit. 
of yeah. everything, current operations, how everything flowed. I was just kind of quiet for a little bit, just observing. And uh, one thing that I realized is that we have kind of an L to our layout of our land, and it kind of goes down Airport Road back behind what is now Calhoun's baseball and softball complex. Right. right. And uh, Mr. Brent Shaw's farm is over there across the road yeah. of Airport Road. And, uh, you know, kind of taking a self-audit, one of the things that I realized is that we are soon going to be approached by large companies looking at prior field, whether if it's to support DOD contracts at Redstone Arsenal or whether if it's a Boeing or Lockheed just looking to come in and, and do different types of things uh, to support a national footprint. Right. We're going to grow. And so we need to get the footprint laid out today so that when they come to us, we're easy to work with. Mm -hmm. It's very cut and dry of what it takes to build and create jobs at Prior Field and Limestone County. Mm -hmm. So I went to work thereafter. So in April of uh, 2022, uh, the board, which is made up of appointees from the city of Athens, city of Decatur, Limestone County, and Morgan County, they all agreed to dedicate not only our property to the north at Garrett and 31, Mm -hmm. we've got about 25 acres there, but they've also dedicated 85 plus or minus acreage along Airport Road, that L, um, to MRO, Maintenance Repair and Overhaul Facilities. Now, at the same time, I was very fortunate to be working with Goodwin's Mill Kwood, which are in engineer of record, we're going through a master plan. And that right. master plan sure. is that shield or that document that helps guide us through those developments, right? And so what I was able to do is get in front of that and dedicate areas so that we are not overlapping. You know, the thing that we never want to do is have a Stearman mixed in with a Boeing 737. (laughs) You know what I mean? We we want to be great pictures, but you don't want them crashing. Yeah, (laughs) we we want to be strategic. We want apples to be with apples and oranges to be with oranges. And and we want to make sure that we have that uh, a very well thought out plan going forward so that we maximize our development, economic development and economic footprint for Limestone County and our surrounding areas. You know, partners, you know, Mm -hmm. south of the river as well. Well, we want to make sure that we are able to capture these jobs. So since then, since April of 2022, we have had a lot happen. It has been a busy year, that's for sure. Um, we've got LOIs from companies now that are looking to come in and build a 170,000 square foot facility on that L uh, along yeah. Airport Road. Um, we have had some other conversations with folks looking to build uh, anywhere from uh, from 35,000 square feet to 50,000 square feet facilities, and all this is in the works currently. And of course, mm-hmm. you know, we're working with our our leadership, uh, you know, at the authority level, and then we're also, you know, working with our cities and our economic development associations to make sure that we get everything so that we're marketable and we're we're easy to navigate some of the incentives right Right. and so we're going to capitalize on some of this and we're going to have a lot of growth um, on all sides of the airport and so Obviously, the 85 acres that we dedicated back in April, we're going to be doing um, some major improvements to support growth. So let me dive into that just a minute. So currently, uh, we have worked and sat at the table, all four, you know, the mayors, the, the chairman of the commissions from the both counties. We all come together with some state officials from ADECA, Director Boswell, and we started talking about some of the basic needs, sewer You have to have sanitary (laughs) uh, solutions for these large people to employ uh, hundreds of people, right? Right. So we got to work on that in the summer, and uh, we have now got a um, a letter from the state of Alabama through uh, DECA, you know, basically 
earmarking or, or supporting grants to us. Great. So we have two $1 million grants coming through us. One's coming through the Community Development Block Grant. You know, they've got a pot of money to, sure. to help uh, infrastructure. We're familiar with those, aren't yeah. they, Rachel? Yeah, <laughs> and then the other is the uh, Appalachian Regional Commission, ARC. Yes. We've got another million coming from them. But then what's so great is our partnership with our, our original owners, the counties and the cities. They have all uh, come to the table with $119,000 apiece to support this $2.5 million improvement in sewer. Mm-hmm. And cool. so we'll be bringing sewer from the other side of Highway 31 all the way down to Airport Road, and then we're going to come all the way to support that 85 acres. Uh, like I said, we do have an LOI from one company. That one company only wants 25 acres. They're going to invest over $30 million wow. in the facilities, and they're going to employ 250 people over a four-year period. So when they're up and going year five, they're supposed to have 250 people there. And these are very high-end, very rewarding jobs mm-hmm. and so in aviation in aviation but that doesn't mean it's just going to be very specific you got to be a pilot you got to be a, an right. airframe and power plant mechanic it's just like every company you've got to have your finance Support, you yeah. got to have your hr so there's going to be numerous jobs tied to prior field mm-hmm. um, across the board so it's going to be jobs for all of our families, all of the people that we know, they could very well work at Priorfield one day. So that's the 85 acres. And that's what we have today. Like I said, we're in conversation with numerous companies looking to, to build out that 85 acres. Now, what we have to do at the authority, uh, the, the Priorfield Airport Authority, we have to build the taxiway so that that company has access to our runway, that 6,107-foot right. asphalt runway that's very beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> we have to have access to that. So we're undergoing a three-point $2 million taxiway improvement, putting that, that infrastructure there so that they can actually have access and, and operate at Priorfield. Um, this taxiway is, is going to be bigger than, than any other design taxiway we currently have. Now, why is that? So this company, they are actually looking at bringing in very large aircraft. Now, today, we have large aircraft. We, we are not designed to our critical aircraft. Our critical aircraft is what is the largest aircraft that we see. Mm-hmm. And so we've actually uh, have chosen the Douglas DC-9, mm-hmm. which is used to be, uh, you know, hauling passengers around. It's kind of a downsize Boeing 730. So that's kind of our critical aircraft. Well, this company, they're wanting to build it out to have uh, U.S. Air Force C-130s come in. Mm -hmm. And so their facility is going to be capable of housing an aircraft that large. Uh, And it may be, you know, military. It's going to be military civilian. There's no telling what they may dabble in exactly. Uh, But... Nevertheless, they need infrastructure to support large aircraft. So we're going to be building a taxiway that's going to be very large. So it's going to be 1,100 linear feet of concrete, but it's going to be thick. It's going to be very large. Uh, Hold that weight. Yes, hold Mm -hmm. that weight. You know, we we want it to hold, you know, over 550,000 pounds and be wide enough to accommodate those wingspans. You know, a Boeing 737, you know, we're we're looking over 110 foot wingspan on an aircraft. You know, so these are large. But, you know, the thing is that surprises everybody when I talk in the community, and this is a little tangent here, but... You know, they think of that 1941 airfield. They think of, oh, that Cub or, oh, that Stearman. No, we have some of the same aircraft that you see at the Huntsville's, the Montgomery's, and Birmingham's of the world. Mm -hmm. We have those 737s. We have those large, what used to be... 
Now, of course, they still fly 737s for passengers. Don't get me wrong. But what we see is not passenger. We see cargo. Cargo. We see cargo. You know, um, not to name drop a few companies, but, you know, some of the folks that that we partner with that I can mention, you know, Mazda Toyotas, uh, Polaris of the Worlds, those two, you know, those are kind of frequent flyers with us from the cargo standpoint. Uh Uh, You know, we're very fortunate to have those things. And we've ramped up a lot of amenities to support more of those operations. And so um, we're pretty proud of that. So now we're starting to go through how do we build out and get more of those larger aircraft. So there's no telling what we may have to do in the future to accommodate our growth. But right now, uh, that 85 acres is being dedicated to maintenance, repair, and overhaul. And we've got an LOI from one company in each 25 acres. So that's going to leave 60 acres roughly just in that plot of land for future development. And that could be just around the corner as we're starting to work through our negotiations with these companies. Now, like I said, we have 57 uh, hangars currently on the south side, right behind Calhoun. That is where a lot of those historic uh, assets still are, those hangars we mentioned. We have built out over time numerous hangars down there. We have dedicated our master plan, leaving that general aviation. So that's those Stearmans, those Pipers, and, and those Cessnas that we see uh, flying. That's where all that's going to be. Now, we have dedicated several plots and, and areas for future hangars, for us to build hangars and for individuals to build hangars. So there's people that, you know, if they wanted to go into a long-term ground lease with us, that they can do that. They can build their own hangars just like Lewis Speaks and yeah, all those other sure. folks did. But now we're going to require that it's a whole lot better than just right. piece together sheet metal <laughs> and tin, you know. But but we have opportunities like that at Prior Field as yeah. well. And uh, we are kind of almost at full capacity behind Calhoun. That's where the majority of our 57 hangars uh, reside today. But we do have a few areas uh, left. And so we're going to be building that out. Now, coming up where you see our terminal building, that's what you see as you pass in Calhoun, coming into Athens, coming up Limestone County, North 31. You see that red tin and you see one current uh, hangar over there. Well, just on the other side of that, there's currently 25 plus or minus acres that we own that is uh, on the corner of Garrett Road and Highway 31. So we now are at 90% design and we're done with environmental. We're done with all the other things to check the box with the FAA to build out on that property. We currently have a project that will be bid out in the next couple of weeks to lay concrete and have a, an asphalt access road built to develop that 25 acres. And so when we do that, it is really to support those larger aircrafts from a cargo standpoint. Right. And so, um, so basically what you'll see is you'll see more or less like your commercial style businesses on that north uh, 25 acres. So we'll have red dirt ready sites for a company like like Lewis Speak if they wanted to come in and build a flight school again. Right. You know, if that, if that family, cool. you know, wanted You're to come and do that. You're making me want to go take flight lessons. Well, you can do that currently at Priorfield. Okay, well, we we'll do have, have one flight school for sure. <laughs> so we have opportunities for folks. But uh, that like north come area. Up with new and exciting ways to die. Yeah. <laughs> You know, aviation is safe. We, I we're know, not going I know. To it's do probably that, safer than going kayaking. <laughs> oh, 100%. 100%. Um, but that area will be, uh, you'll soon see a lot of development going on. And, yeah. and as people pass 31, I can only imagine, you know, the thought process. They're going to be like, wow, you know, this has mm-hmm. changed. I cannot. Well, y'all, yeah. As you're heading, you know, Highway 31, I know some. not everybody who listens to this in the local area, but let's just, 
Well, just say, even if you're heading down I-65, look to your west and you'll see planes coming and going from Pryorfield. In fact, just Absolutely. earlier uh, this week, there was a, a plane, a small plane flying low and my kids pointed out and uh, they were like, they were like, what's that guy doing? I was like, he's probably flying into Pryorfield right now. Absolutely. And because uh, you're seeing more and more of that. So, you know, as, as folks go by, take a look, you know, look over there, see what's going on. And I, I'm not trying to send everybody to your door, but I reckon they could come knocking on the door and seeing your 1700 square foot terminal now and then. Huh? Absolutely. Yeah, we have space dedicated for airplane spotters, as we yeah. call them in the industry. That's folks cool. that want to come. So you anybody know, who wanted to come and just like hang out and watch planes come and go could do that? Absolutely. You know, from that original that agreement. like a fun Friday night to I me. might be there this afternoon. I know. Yeah. We need to go take the nickel tour. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. You know, good good weather days. You'll see the, the general aviation folks and the flight schools out. You know, obviously yeah. some of the, the bad weather, like we're having a day, you know, the flight schools may not be out beating up the pattern, but... On any given day, you can see airplanes coming and going from prior field. Again, you know, there's 150,000 operations. Well, yeah, yeah we, we have a lot of that going on on a daily basis. And it runs not only during the day, but at night. You know, we, wow. we're pretty much 24-7 operations at prior field. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, as, as we're going through time in, in the next five years, you're going to see a lot of different things change. And it's all to capture industry and to capture the growth and create jobs in limestone county and we're very proud to be a part of that and we can't do it without our partners though you know obviously just to mention them again you know uh you know the two cities decatur uh athens uh, the two counties morgan county and limestone county those are all instrumental partners and and they see it just like they saw it 1941 from the jump they see the asset of prior field and and they are very proud of the growth that's to come and they're eager to see it uh, actually come to fruition. Uh, matter of fact, they're all working in their own ways to help support the mission. And so I'm, you know, in conversation with them on a weekly and monthly basis, you know, talking about what we can do, especially the the economic development folks like Bethany Shockney mm-hmm. in Limestone County Economic Development Association sure. and Jeremy Nails down in the uh, Morgan Decatur uh, Economic Development Association. Those are, are very instrumental partners. And so, yeah. um, you know, we believe that this is um, not only for the folks of Limestone County today, like it was in 1941, but we are a national airport. You know, I joke all the time, we're not just a national airport in the Alabama airport system plan, but we're actually international because Mm -hmm. of our freight. You know, we have folk come in from Canada and Mexico Mm -hmm. all the time to support some of our industry partners in Limestone and Morgan County. So we got got a lot of good problems. I know, right? Absolutely. Well, and as you say all that, and, and, you know, we're getting ready to wrap up, I guess when I think about this, when I think about the history, when I think about what you're doing now i mean what i see is it usually takes a few visionary people to figuratively and literally get things off the ground and um that's what you saw back 80 something years ago with park and speak and the the city and county leaders and that's what you're seeing now and so i guess my last question to you is just how are you you know taking the lessons you learned from history and the legacy you have there and you've really kind of answered this but putting it into what you see in the future i mean how do you see that all kind of coming together well, I think in anything that we do, we have to understand our history to be able to move forward effectively. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like the don't recreate the wheel. You right. know, it's already been created and, you know, learn from those that have done it. I think uh, in everything we do to become good leaders, you have to look to what was done in the past and what was successful. And so, um, you know, not only, you know, the folks of prior field back in the day, but the folks across the country, you know, trying to learn from from them and how they were able to rapidly grow their airports. So I kind of 
I try to take our history and embed it and keep it alive as we're going forward in developments. But at the same time, I'm trying to do research and I'm trying to learn more about what was done there and what was a thought process and how do I keep that going? Prime example, you know, obviously the people before me, they had a vision for that property behind Calhoun to be general aviation, to be, to be those folks that are recreational flyers like myself, you know? Right. And so, I, I see that. So in my plans and my master plans and my conversations with board members and stakeholders, you know, I'm saying that's what it needs to be. We don't need to go and let some, you know, large company throw in a very large business aircraft and, and disrupt the flow right. of those recreational flyers. You right. know, going forward with all of our development, we're trying to think strategically and look at those founding fathers and what they had envisioned for the airport. Mm-hmm. And we're just trying to capitalize on it. You know, Lewis Speak, he was obviously a very well thought out business man. And he obviously had a vision for the airport. And I wish that, you know, if people like that could come back today and say, mm-hmm. this is what I envisioned for Prior Field. And, and, you know, I would love to have their sign off for their blessing for our plans. And I think they would. I, I think that, uh, sure. you know, a lot of people want to see places like Prior Field grow because, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they want to help diversify the economy and help grow uh, different types of jobs for the sure. young people that they have in their families. Sure. Amen. Good deal. Well, that sounds like a good place to wrap it up. Well, Adam, thank you so much for coming on today, for talking to us about Prior Field, and Richard, as always, for sharing what you know from being the oldest one here. And we appreciate everybody for listening. Y'all go out and watch Plane Land today. Absolutely. <laughs> I will end with this. Um, a very specific event coming up June 10th and 11th of this year, we're going to have an air show. And so this is going to be an opportunity for you to come out, see some of these historic airplanes we talked about today and see aviation uh, and the aviation industry as a whole up front and close. You know, it seems like aviation, the airport is untouched. Prior field is not my airport. It's not the cities and counties airport. It's everybody's airport. And so this is going to be an opportunity. Again, that's June 10th and 11th. It's going to be the North Alabama Air Fest. It's going to be the first air show uh, type event in North Alabama. And I believe over 15 years. And so we're proud to have that. We're working with uh, David Solch Air Shows. And and it's going to be a great event for the whole family. You can find out more information at flydcu.com forward slash air fest. Okay. Flydcu.com. DCU. That's y'all's call letters. Yes, that's our identifier, uh, DCU, Delta Charlie Uniform. That's what all the pilots in the world know us as. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And everybody, y'all, mark your calendars for the air show. Richard, you'll be my plus one, won't you? I will. (laughs) Thank you for the history lesson and for having me on today. Absolutely. And y'all join us next time for another episode of Homegrown History. You've been listening to Homegrown History, presented by the Athens-Limestone County Public Library and the Limestone County Archives in Athens, Alabama. For more information and to submit questions or suggestions, please visit limestonearchives.com. And to hear other recordings from our Library Voices series, check out our website at alcpl.org. You can also listen on Spotify and Apple Podcasts.